the gentle fade out of a gong, a closed snare roll, so precise, so teasing, a massive crash, guitars in perfectly singable harmonies, centered, commanding. As the first phrase of this resolves, we have another snare roll, two sets of guitars that come in on the right and the left to join the fanfare. Rich bass tones are centered on the right, are soaring high harmonies, and that lovely drum roll, so consistent and present, continues gliding through the verse with bass drum and cymbals crashing. There are so many guitars here. It's all guitars. Every side has multiple recordings of takes on Brian's beloved red special. And into the outro, every guitar section slows. The harmonies come together from their previous counterpoints, embellished with trills and beautiful accents and licks. And timpani rolls take us out. Decrescendo and a crescendo into the silence. That is God Save the Queen, the closer on Queen's fourth album, A Night at the Opera. Dive number 46, track number 12. I started with the breakdown of the song because (laughs) it's short. It's just over a minute long, but it's a very important piece on this album. It was put there very intentionally. There was a reason for it. The guys had to have it. And we'll talk a lot about who said that, when, and the history of the melody of this song, which is quite extensive, goes back hundreds of years. And there's a little bit of controversy even when it comes to who's used this melody and for what. But as far as this tune itself goes, this is all Brian May arrangement. And I say arrangement because he did not write this. <laughs> All you got to do is hear a part of it and you know immediately this is much older. It's been around for a very long time. This is a traditional melody arranged by Brian May, specifically for closing out this album in this grandiose way. This cover was recorded in 1974. Yes, about a year before this album even came out in 75. And the original of this song, God Save the Queen, guess when it was written? Just guess. 1900s, 1800s, nope. 1745. So to say this is quite seasoned is an understatement. This is all classical traditional rock in this arrangement. And it was supposedly included as the B-side on the reissue of Keep Yourself Alive, in the U.S. in 1975. I've looked for that. If it was, I couldn't find it. So if you know that it's out there, just let me know. Because I went to a lot of reputable resources that I tend to stand by, and I couldn't find it. We're at 91 beats per minute. It's very slow in 3-4. Yes, that's a waltz time signature. In the key of G major. And the whole purpose of this song is to close out Queen, not just this album, but Queen, 
with grandiose, virtuoso style and drama, the perfect tongue-in-cheek piece to bookend a collection. I mean, it's called God Save the Queen. <laughs> that, is, that is not a title that was given to it by anybody in the band Queen. That is what the song is called. And this is all Guitar Orchestra Brian. <laughs> I love it. This is entirely created, almost entirely created, on Brian's guitar. A cover of the famous de facto UK national anthem. This is not actually their official national anthem. Common misconception. It's not. There's been pitches over the years as to what should actually be the UK national anthem. But this is typically known as their national anthem, especially at sporting events, what have you. Brian employs multiple layers of guitars, so many layers, like onions, <laughs> with various effects to create that wall of orchestra sound. His guide backing track, which was recorded on piano, was muted on the final cut. And what a beautiful and grand cut this is. Brian uses the well-loved Deaky amp. In addition to clever pickup settings, mic placement, and EQ to achieve the richness of string-like motifs and arrangement. It's the ideal example of Brian's songwriting and arranging and his penchant for beautiful, moving melodies. We know him well enough to know by now. When it comes to emotion in a song, not just the words, but the music, Brian is all about that. Complete with crash cymbals, lots of drum rolls, snares, timpani. God Save the Queen is a perfect closing number for both album and concert. This song the importance of this song at a Queen show is not to be, is not to be understated. This was a big deal for Queen beginning all the way back in 1974. I was reading comments from people saying, I think they started using this in 75 after they released opera. No, because this was recorded in 74, they started using it in that year, perhaps as early as the Glasgow show on November 8th of that year, which, if you forgot, was the release date of Sheer Heart Attack, November 8th. The recording of this song, the studio recording, closed many, if not all, of Queen's following shows all the way through 86. They always used this as their farewell, thank you, you've been a beautiful audience, we love you, goodbye. The guys would take their bows or they'd throw their gear in the earlier days, especially. You guys, I have read accounts from pretty much every Queen show I could get my hands on. There's this incredible archive that has facts about every single stop they made on a tour, what the set list was, if anybody made a mistake, what happened if anybody got mobbed when they were on their way out from the, the stage and stuff like that. and. I totally just honestly, wow, I just lost my train of thought. What was I getting at with this? The archive, the show. I was talking about God Save the Queen. What was I getting at? Oh my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I was able to go through those and I was perusing them trying to find the set list because not all of them have a set list. Some of them literally have the date, the venue, 
and a picture and that's it. But some of them have an amazing amount of information about set list and who said what and what happened. And the earliest I could find this appearing was November 8th, 1974. Oh, and now I remember what I was talking about. I was, <laughs> these are the moments I live for on my podcast when I lose my train of thought and I have a blonde moment. I was thinking about when people threw their stuff and I forget what show it was. There was more than one actually, but Roger very dramatically pushes over his entire drum kit after the conclusion of at least one of those shows. And I think those, I think the first time I read that it was 74 or 75, but it probably happened more. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't, that wasn't the only thing. Uh, for example, in later years, Deaky threw his bass. Like at the end of, what tour was that? Was that, was that their Wembley show? I, I'd have to go back and look. But there's a fantastic meme of this, actually. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a gif of it, of John throwing his bass guitar at the end of their tour. And it's like, whoa, okay, was this his, okay, I'm done thing? Or was it just a celebratory toss of the bass? It looks a little bit more forceful than that. But anyway. I went on a tangent there. When it comes to throwing gear, I guess that's just a rock and roll thing anyway, right? It's not truly a rock and roll show unless someone destroys or throws something. Now, during the Magic Tour in 86, during this song's being played at the end of the show, Freddie would don a crown and a cape, a velvet cape, and walk the stage, acknowledging the audience with flair and style as only he could. And in 2002, Brian performed this song live on his guitar on the roof of Buckingham Palace for the Queen's Golden Jubilee. I've listened to that performance a number of times, and you can see how proud he is to play it, not just because it's it's something Queen always incorporated into their performances, and it was this bookend to this wonderful album, but because of what the song is and what it represents. So yeah, when Brian recorded this, the rough version of it in the studio, he actually regarded his piano playing as subpar at the time, which I think is kind of hilarious because like Freddie, who was also very hard on himself when it came to playing piano or guitar for that matter, I mean, he famously joked that he could only play three chords on the guitar and that's why Crazy Little Thing Called Love came to be what it is. But Brian and the piano, if you listen to him play, Actually, there's a very good example of this. Go check out the behind the scenes for One Vision. It's on YouTube. It's a very long, wonderful video of the guys working in the studio. And at the beginning of it, you see Brian sitting at a piano and he's playing this beautiful melody. And I mean, granted, it's not very complex. It's not very, it's not very tough or so it, it, it appears to be a fairly simple, straightforward melody, but it's not the skill so much as it is his expression. Brian on piano has a wonderful touch. If you listen to him play, another example of this playing live is when they would play on tour and Freddie would, they would do Save Me. Freddie would start singing and Brian would sit at the Ivories and play the opening. I think it's Save Me, right? I'm not remembering that wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Save Me. And Brian has such a wonderful touch on the keys. It's very different than Freddie. Freddie is like this human metronome. You know, everybody in the band talks about that, how he was wonderful to play with because he had this incredible sense of rhythm and tempo. It was like in his brain and he could just pound out. He was very forceful when he played the piano. 
But Brian is tender, soft to the touch on the keys. And it's it's very obvious to my ears when he's playing instead of Freddie. And I think it's just very interesting that he thinks that his playing was so awful at the time that he did the guide track for God Save the Queen in 74. So Brian is credited as the arranger of this song. And it was recorded during the sheer heart attack sessions. Yes. And Freddie revealed in September of 75. So this was a whole two months before the album A Night at the Opera was released. The guys wanted to finish the record with this because it would be completely unexpected. And he's absolutely right. This is so classically influenced. I found this really cool fact. You guys, I'm kind of geeking out about it because this is the this is the stuff that a lot of people don't know that probably was done a lot personally by the guys when they recorded certain things. And whenever I find out a fact like this, it just makes me smile because I'm like, ooh, that's a little touch. That's a little personal thing that this person did to accomplish a sound. And apparently, Brian used to throw a coat over the amp to cut out harsh treble frequencies. And he may have done that here. Again, that's just, it, it doesn't sound like much. But the reason I think it's so cool is because I can literally picture in my brain, Brian putting his jacket over his guitar amp or the Deke amp or whatever it is they're using to soften those frequencies. And that was like his thing. And maybe, maybe a lot of people did that. I don't know. But I just... Because I can see it in my head, I can picture it. It just makes it me. It makes it feel more real. That's all. Is I I latch on to those little personal things because it humanizes the creation of these things, these songs, all the more. Now I want to get into the interesting history behind this song in general because there's a lot of stuff about God Save the Queen that has nothing to do with the band Queen. The melody of this song which has no official composer, right? It's, it's, there's speculation, but nobody knows who wrote it because it's so old. It's many a country's patriotic song, this melody, including in the US, My Country Tis of Thee, which is also known as America. And it's also used for the national anthem of Liechtenstein, Oben am Jungen Rhein, and the royal anthem of Norway, Kongesangen. I hope I'm saying that right. Now, the U.S. song, My Country Tis of Thee, was written in 1831 and was actually the de facto U.S. national anthem until 1931. Isn't that interesting? There was exactly 100 years between the writing of this and then the Star Spangled Banner becoming the national anthem in 1931. There's a lot of speculation about the U.S. stealing the melody, the anthem from the U.K., from God Save the Queen. But supposedly, this melody grew out of plain chant, which is literally plain chanting, plain singing. It's a liturgical chant of the Roman Catholic Church, if you will. And dance music, it came from those two things, plain chant and dance music. And it's sometimes attributed to a 17th century English musician named John bull. But there's no confirmation here. So there's a lot of speculation that the U.S. stole this from the U.K., but there's so many people that have used this melody. Can you really point any fingers at this point? I don't know. For the record, whenever I hear this, I think of my country tis of thee. Of course, I, that's what comes to my head. That's what I sing when I hear this song. In fact, when I was at the Tacoma Dome in 2019 and the guys closed their 
concert out with this wonderful number and they waved at everybody. I was singing that as we were leaving and my mom was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know they did that. <laughs> it was a lovely little, little moment we had together, my mom and I. But despite the fact that this has such a prominent space in Queen's history, in their concerts, in every single show they played, pretty much every single show they played, this is often forgotten when people discuss Queen's songs or they rank songs on a night at the opera. But given the traditional roots and the lack of vocals, it is kind of easy to forget about it. So you're forgiven if that's you. I mean, I sometimes skip it. I admit when I'm listening to this album, I do sometimes skip. <laughs> God save the queen because it is so traditional. But you know what? It's beautifully done. It bookends. Like I said, it, it puts the queen's stamp on a night at the opera so well. And this is a wonderful example of someone, a songwriter like Brian, who's so good at just not just writing, but arranging a song, taking something and giving it a little spin, making it theirs. It's a wonderful cover. There's been countless performances of this melody, these songs, these anthems, these patriotic songs all over the place, all over the world. And this one is incredibly recognizable because of what was done on the guitars. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It is... I think for me, even though, yes, I do sometimes skip this and I do sometimes kind of forget about it. In fact, when I was going through A Night at the Opera, I completely forgot about this after Bow Rap. I was thinking, oh, I'm done with Bow Rap. I'm finished. Nope. <laughs> I gotta do God Save the Queen. But when I hear this, I do immediately think of the guys. That's the impact the song has, even though it's traditional, even though it has no words in it whatsoever. This is one of those songs that in, a, in an entirely different way than Bo Rap does, this song brings to mind Queen. For me, it just calls out Queen. You know, and apparently the word Queen is sang towards the end of this. And I have to go back and listen to it again because I've never actually noticed it, but I read that and I need to go back and see if I can pick that up. Because if it's there, it's not obvious to me. Maybe it's because I'm so focused on the music that I just don't notice it. But anyway. That is God Save the Queen. You can go listen to it on the album version. You can also go listen to it pretty much any closer for any of the concerts that are on YouTube, any of them. You will find this at the very end of the set list after the encores. I say encores, <laughs> plural, because there were often several. But go check out God Save the Queen. A wonderful closer to one of the best albums ever. And you know what? I'm super excited. I'm kind of sad that I'm done with A Night at the Opera. I, I have to admit, because if you remember when I introduced this album, I talked about how it wasn't necessarily one of my top, 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 top queen albums personally. But I have developed a new respect for it because I've gone through all of these songs, broken them down. You begin to understand the innovation that went into them and the blood, sweat, and tears that went into them. And so even though I always loved this album, it was never super high on my list, but I think I have a different kind of sentiment for it now, and I'm gonna miss it as we go forward because A Night at the Opera has a ton of heart. The guys were struggling. They would have been done if this album hadn't done what it did. If Bo Rap hadn't done what it did, they would have been done. 
Just like Brian said, they probably would have been swept under the ocean somewhere. They would have had one decent hit, Killer Queen, and that was it. But luckily, that's not what happened. We got some awesomeness coming from them in A Day at the Races. I'm smiling because that, that is one of my favorite Queen albums. I love it because it takes the style of A Night at the Opera and amplifies it like tenfold. A Day at the Races is their most beautiful album. It's their most beautiful collection of work. It's incredibly melodic. There's so much on it that's fun, that's joyful, that's cheerful. It has one of my favorite Roger Taylor songs on it. It just, there's so much about it that I love. It has my favorite Freddie ballad on it. Ah, I cannot wait to get into A Day of the Races, but I'm gonna have to do a lot of homework first because of course I want to introduce the album as a whole and that means I have to do some research but it'll be fun. And I'll be back. I'll probably do another podcast episode, something different. I've done five queen deep dives in a row. I think that might be a record for me, but I could not stop once I started side two. I was like, I just got to bust through it. I got to finish A Night at the Opera and we're done. So go check out God Save the Queen. Go check out A Night at the Opera. Listen to the whole thing through. That's how it was intended. These albums that were made back then, you needed to listen to them from start to finish to experience the vibe. All right, guys, I'll be back. Keep yourselves alive. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about next time, but we'll get into it moving right along. Two-thirds of the way to go, give or take. I think I'm about a third of the way through these deep dives. Wow. It's going to take me forever, and I couldn't be more excited. All right, guys. Later.